Welcome to American Patchwork and Quilting Radio, your one stop for creative inspiration. We have a terrific hour of ideas and tips for you today, so let's get to it. Here's your host, Pat Sloan. Welcome to American Patchwork and Quilting's podcast. I'm Pat Sloan, and it's always exciting for me to chat with somebody who is in the world of us quilters, but actually has a whole other life and business outside of this that has to do with textiles, because, you know, we all love fiber. So I'm very excited that uh, Aaron Dollar of Cotton Flax is here, and we're going to talk about printmaking first. Erin, this is so cool. I've never tried printmaking. Uh, did you do this forever? Yeah, so first, thank you so much for having me. <laughs> I'm really excited to chat with you. Um, so yeah, I actually studied printmaking, fine art printmaking in college, and I wasn't really printing on fabric at that point. Um, back then, I was mostly doing fine art prints on paper, And it wasn't until a few years after college when I was working in a cooperative studio up in Portland, Oregon, where I lived at the time, that I had made some friends who were experimenting with printing on textiles. It was really exciting. Ah, so, you know, that... The the printmaking on textiles, it's like you also do that on other surfaces as well because you're you're a, a, a designer of surface patterns. Yeah, absolutely. And so when I first started printing on fabric, I was kind of coming at it with this artist perspective, right? I wasn't really very experienced with sewing. I had, you know, maybe experimented a little bit with with kind of uh, altering some of my clothing when I was younger. And my mom Mm -hmm. actually did teach me to sew when I was a teenager. So I had a little bit of skill in that area, but I definitely wasn't coming at it as a textile designer at that point. I was kind of thinking, how can I take my artwork, my designs that were really kind of pattern-focused and um, had these repetitive elements to them and put them on fabric to make something more utilitarian than just an art piece that you would hang on the wall? So for me, it was sort of an offshoot of my creativity that I was already kind of diving into in a big way. And in a way it kind of got out of control and then I founded my um, textile design business called Cotton and Flax. You know what I read about you know your work and we were chatting back and forth uh, you are doing all of this printing uh, yourself. Uh, Do you like how much do you print? Do you print every day? You must be like a little factory. Yeah. Yeah, it's definitely uh, kind of a one-woman uh, textile sweatshop here in San Diego where I'm living now. <laughs> you know, I really try um, to think about sustainability in my business in all different ways, right? So it's about kind of selecting these really high-quality fabrics to then screen print on. I use non-toxic inks in my, um, in my studio, so it's all really nice and natural. But I also am trying to kind of keep it sustainable by not putting my body through too much. Um, Mm -hmm. Screen printing is a pretty rigorous process um, that can Mm -hmm. take a lot out of you. So I really try to kind of coordinate my printing to maybe one day a week where I knock out a bunch of printing all at once. And Mm then uh, I'm either doing some of the sewing myself, if I'm sewing samples, or if I'm sewing um, small orders, or if I'm coordinating with uh, the more industrial group of sewers who I work with in Los Angeles to kind of mass manufacture the products that I create for my business. 
I'll kind of bring um, like printed yardage up to them to do the finishing. So it's been it's been a really interesting process growing this home decor business with the kind of handmade edge. It's really yeah, it's been a struggle to kind of keep it handmade and really kind of focused on the quality while also growing and being carried in more stores and having more mm-hmm. online orders coming in um, through my e-commerce website. It's been really kind of a challenge to how do I keep the quality really high and um, still have a hand in the production while not, you know, driving myself crazy. <laughs> yeah, it's a lot to produce uh, finished goods and be uh, like the one the one man band, uh, the one woman shop. Oh, yeah. But you also then were approached or you approached um, a larger fabric house which is how we all found you in the world of quilting so that you were um you have your fabric now on your designs rather now on robert kaufman yardage what was that like for you to take this beautiful sort of -of one-of-a-kind pieces and translate it into um large (laughs) repeats yeah, so, you know, my my fans and my customers have been asking me for yardage for years. I think, mm-hmm. you know, I I came to Robert Kaufman and actually pitched the idea of um, doing a collection together. I think at that point I had been in business for about four or five years. Mm-hmm. And this had been something from day one. People were saying, oh, can I buy yardage? I want to make things mm-hmm. myself <laughs> with, your, with your patterns. And, you know, at that point, especially in the early days, I was – you know, either working out of a room in my house or in from my very small <laughs> studio, and there was no right. way I was going to print yardage myself. Or if I did, you know, it would have cost a hundred dollars a yard. It would have been mm-hmm. really pricey. So, you know, eventually, as as I realized that people weren't stopped, that you know, the the interest was just ongoing. I really wanted to create something special for my customers, and so I thought, who do I know? Locally, I was living in Los Angeles at the time, who might be a good mm-hmm. partner for this. And Robert Kaufman was the obvious one for me. I think I already knew, I already had a really good relationship with them and had um, been buying raw fabric from them for a while. And I knew that their quality of what they were producing was really special. They're, they really have an eye for those creative details. And so for me, it was a no-brainer to approach them with a, a surface pattern collaboration. So was it exciting for you, Erin, when you first saw something that was, you had done your designs by your own hand, all of a sudden now you had a whole bolt of it? What did that feel like? (laughs) Amazing. It feels so good. So, you know, this was the first first time I did a really large-scale collaboration like that. Um, I've done a lot of kind of smaller, kind of more indie business collaborations with folks who are kind of in the same creative space that I was. But this was the first time I was working with a big manufacturer and distributor to kind of create something that was going to have a much larger reach than I normally have with my business. And so the biggest thing for me has been seeing what people do with the fabric. It's so inspiring to me to see all of these amazing, talented artists and sewers just pick up the fabric and completely run with it. It's it's incredible to me. So inspiring. Yeah, that is the best part when you design fabric and you get to see how somebody else's vision of how to use it and, and combine it. Uh, so speaking of combining, have you taken the the yardage now, your, your new yardage, and combined it with your hand-printed mm-hmm. um, pieces? 
You know, a little bit. Um, that it's funny because I'm I'm really like I said focused on sustainability in the studio, and so I keep a lot of offcuts from my regular sort of production line of these mm-hmm. little pieces of hand printed fabric that I'm kind of stowing away <laughs> for later. <laughs> um, and I, you know, obviously have some bolts of this new uh, fabric called Arroyo that I thought when um, the line debuted last year. And it's just been really fun to kind of, um, you know, on a whim think, oh, I'm just going to whip up a quick little pillow cover or something for my house and kind of be able to play in that way. It's mm-hmm. been a nice distraction from the kind of regular work of um, producing the home decor line, which is a little bit more structured and you kind of have to meet specific deadlines for mm-hmm. trade shows or launching new collections. This is really a chance for me to kind of experiment and play and kind of combine different patterns and then even maybe get ideas for ongoing collections that might be coming up in the future. Ah, yes. That's always the way our brains have to work. Well, what is next? What are we going to produce yes. next? <laughs> so mm-hmm. I do have another question because one of the things that you um, really encourage people to do, Erin, is to create and own pieces that um, will last last over time. Tell me, you know, we have a couple of minutes. Tell me what that means to you. Yeah, so I think it means a bunch of different things, right? I think just being thoughtful in terms of what you're bringing into your home or really just into your workspace, any anywhere where you're spending a significant amount of time, I think it's really great to be kind of thoughtful about the things that you're surrounding yourself with. Um, I think especially now we're so it, we're so embedded in this culture of like easy consuming where you can kind of just mm-hmm. anything that pops into your head, you can pop over to the internet and find it and buy it on Amazon right. and it gets here in two days and you don't really <laughs> have to, to think about that type of consu- mm-hmm. consumption. But I really, especially when it comes to decor or comes to the things that I'm seeing and touching on a daily basis, I really want those pieces to be high quality. I want them to be beautiful, natural materials. I want the design to feel timeless. I don't want to kind of go through this process of having to <laughs> redecorate or shop for new things like that. I want to be kind of classic pieces on a regular basis. Mm-hmm. I want them just to buy it once and let make it make sure it's going to last. So, you know, for me, in terms of my design work, that means creating patterns that are simple, kind of effortless, have this element of wabi-sabi because they are handmade, because they're hand-drawn, mm-hmm. but don't have a very... Um, necessarily a really trendy look so they won't kind right. of go out of fashion very quickly um thinking about colors that are really timeless and classic i really think linen is something that never gets boring to me the like subtle kind of texture of the yarn dyed woven fabrics i just find that so compelling and so you know and and it's not for everybody i don't want to say that my design aesthetic is necessarily everyone's idea of classic design that's different for everyone but for me mm-hmm. i really felt like i wanted to gravitate towards creating pieces and and you know for myself buying pieces that are right. are something that i'm really not going to get sick of you know i think that's just a really wonderful way to think about what we what we produce and what we buy it is you know makes me think about things i really like that you mentioned that i do do want to get one more thing in we have about 30 seconds aaron you do a class online uh briefly what is that about yeah so that was actually a really fun opportunity i do teach workshops in person occasionally but you know, I would get emails all the time from folks who were curious about printmaking, curious about printing on fabric, who really wanted to learn, but 
you know, lived in more far-flung places and weren't able to attend my workshops in California. So when Creative Live approached me to teach a screen printing class, it was a no-brainer. It was an opportunity yeah. for me to spread the gospel of printmaking and yeah. introduce the art form to more people. Well, Erin, this has been so much fun. I've really enjoyed getting to know you. Thank you for being here. Well, thanks so much. I'm excited to connect with more quilters. Yeah. We'll be right back. the One Million Pillowcase Challenge in March for the Ultimate Pillowcase Competition. Gather a team and compete in one of two categories during the month of March to make pillowcases, earn points, and maybe be crowned the Ultimate Pillowcase Champion. The top three teams in each category will be awarded cash prizes. Even if you're not forming a team, you can watch all the action with weekly voting and daily prizes. Visit allpeoplequilt.com backslash pillowcase madness for more information. Quilt Along with us in 2017. Join our fourth annual Quilt Along by stitching a wall hanging, a throw, or a one-block table topper, or all three projects. Visit allpeoplequilt.com backslash quilt along for a list of participating bloggers and designers and to see photos of what staff members and other readers are sewing. Share your photos on social media by using the hashtag APQQuiltAlong to join the fun. Welcome back to American Patchwork and Quilting's talk show. I'm your host, Pat Sloan, and our show is brought to you by Moda Fabrics. And you are able to go out and check out what's going on, the newest uh, lines that are coming out at their website um, and also at their blog, blog.modafabrics.com. I'm always excited this show. I'm meeting all kinds of new people for the first time. It is so fun. Karen Neary is so creative. She's an author, a designer. She's had her quilts exhibited everywhere. They are so gorgeous. And she loves to take sort of more complicated patchwork and break it down so that it's not complicated anymore. So people like me could do it. So, Karen, thank you for being here. Thank you for having me, Pat. You know, you've been quilting a while now, uh, and uh, did you did you have quilters in your family? I did have quilters in my family. Uh, my grandmother, Myrtle Davis, um, actually taught quilting oh. at, uh, at the um, Bible group in Five Islands. And I have several of her quilts, I'm happy to say. And my great-grandmother also quilted, and I have her treadle sewing machine. Oh. So I've got a bit of a family history there. That's right. When was your, your mother, it was your mother that was teaching quilt making? What, My what year? My grandmother. Oh, your grand, what years were that? That was a, oh, that, yeah, that would be in the thirties. Wow. You know, I didn't ever, Karen, think about somebody, I mean, somebody was probably teaching people. I just figured they all were getting magazines or, you know, learning. That's cool. Yeah. <laughs> I know. So you live in Canada, and yeah. uh, when you first started 
your business, when you first started, you know, making quilts and exhibiting and stuff, was the quilting community of people in the business side, was it, were there a lot of Canadians yet? Um, I would not say that there were a lot of Canadians um, in the quilt world. Certainly there are a lot of Nova Scotia quilters. Uh, Mm -hmm. Where I'm from, where I'm from, there's, you know, everybody quilts. We've got a a strong history of quilt making here, but um, it was different um, when I started submitting designs to magazines, I often heard, oh, we've never had a Canadian before. Mm-hmm. So that was a little different and, and very nice. Well, that's fun. So now it's like totally, you know, there's like, you know, pe- there's people from all all corners of the world uh, who are designing, which is kind of fun. The Internet really opened that up, didn't it? It really did. Yeah, Absolutely. So tell me a little bit about how you um, became fascinated with sort of more complex quilts um, because your quilts are just uh, outstanding. Well, thank you for that. Um, I think they're quite deceptive. If you have a close look, uh, they look like they're very complicated and difficult to make, but honestly, they are not. Um, I I design with... uh, the Albert Einstein theory of uh, quilt design, because he used to say, and I've got two great great quotes that I live by uh, from him, he would say, simplify, simplify, simplify. Mm -hmm. And the other one is make everything as simple as possible, but no simpler. Mm -hmm. And Mm -hmm. I look at that. So when I look at a quilt design, I think, well, that seam can come out. Don't need that Mm -hmm. one there. And this can come out. And at the end of it, it still looks complicated, but it really isn't. Mm-hmm. You know, when you first exhibited your quilts, were you um, were you surprised if they won an award? I mean, were you sort of going in with that goal? I was just, uh, and I still am, just absolutely thrilled to think that that they're accepted. You know, that they would pass jurying mm-hmm. and be in the shows. Um, it's it's been wonderful. I've had quilts three or four times in Paducah. And several times in Houston, and that is just such a thrill. I don't think you ever get tired of that. <laughs> no, I can't imagine. I mean, have you gone to actually stand with your quilt and talk to people? I have not. I have oh. not. I I put them in the box and kiss them oh. goodbye. Wish them well. <laughs> Wish them well. That's yes. uh, well. Someday you'll have to. Are you still exhibiting? Is that still part of what you like to do? Um. Yes and no. Mm-hmm. Um, I never do it with that in mind. Mm. When I come up with a design, um, if I really, really like it after I've finished and I feel I've done a reasonable job with it, then I look at entering it someplace. But mm-hmm. I never sit down and think, whoa, I'm going to come up with a wonderful design that's going to be here, there, and everywhere because that's mm-hmm. just some work. Yeah. So <laughs> I take it as it comes. And if it doesn't come, that's fine, too. Yeah, I think that that's a really neat approach because if you've all of a sudden done something, you're like, hmm, this is this is something I'd like to, you know, push it forward. Then, like you said, you you know, you don't have those expectations. Um, yes, we don't need that stress. No, <laughs> it's all it's all fun. It's all about the pleasure of making. Mm-hmm. Now, you have written a couple of books, and mm-hmm. on your website, you share, you know, like some of your quilts and a little bit about them, you know, so people can visit you and, and see that. I think it's very fascinating. How often do you write on about your, your quilts? 
um, as time allows. Mm-hmm. Um, sometimes there's uh, lots of time to, to blog and to talk about the design process and show the quilting and, and whatnot. And then other times, and you must know this too, mm-hmm. there's not very many minutes in the day to spare. So yeah. it's a little erratic, but uh, always always nice to do and nice to share. Yeah, I love that uh, you show some of your ones that are sort of like optical illusion so that you can see your process a little bit about how you approached it. That's very, I think that's very helpful for people because, like you said, you break it down and they're not as complex once you can visualize those interesting units because you're creating very interesting-looking shapes. <laughs> yes, I like odd-shaped quilts, as you may have figured yes. out from there. Yeah. <laughs> Now, when I was chatting with you prior, you know, we talked a little bit about different things that have come up as when you've been quilting along or in the quilt world a long time. And you've had a few experiences that I would say are are quite unique. Um, If you could tell me how in the world did you get commissioned to make a quilt quilt for Paul McCartney, the singer? (laughs) Oh, my gosh. I mean, holy cow. I did did not get commissioned to make a quilt for Paul McCartney. Oh, okay. Um, <laughs> my whole family, we're, we're big Paul McCartney fans, fans, and my whole family had gone to Quebec one year to see Paul perform. And then the next year, this would be 2009 now, um, we learned he was coming to Halifax. Mm. And we had had such a great time in Quebec, and I was thinking, oh, gosh, I hope he has a wonderful time in Nova Scotia, too, and what would make it special? And then I thought, gosh, that man needs a quilt. <laughs> so I didn't. I didn't say anything to anybody, and I just set about and designed the quilt. And I was probably three quarters finished. And I thought, well, okay, I've got time to get this made now, so I'm going to announce what I'm doing. So I oh. very, very quietly told my family what I planned to do. And of course, they thought I was nuts. <laughs> um, anyhow, I found out who the uh, promoter of the show. Um, in Halifax was that mm-hmm. was bringing in Paul McCartney, and I got in touch with with him, and he thought it was a great idea. So he said we have to get in touch with Sir Paul's people. Mm-hmm. So they did, and um, they thought it was fine too. So I did not get to meet Paul. Oh, but I know. <laughs> but I sent the quilt down, and it was uh, presented to him before the concert at a at a sound check, and. Um, I'm I'm just thrilled about it. I had the Nova Scotia tartan in the quilt. Oh, oh, that is so cool, Karen. That what a fun story. So you had this. So this was secret plan. You were going to see if you could make it happen. Uh, yes. <laughs> now someday you'll have to write him a nice note and say, "Would you please take a picture of that with you, so that I may have it and sign it." <laughs> it's like I, I like to think he cuddles up under it. You know, watching yes. a movie and <laughs> <laughs> he has and thinks about you know. You that made it for him. Yes, that would be awesome. That's <laughs> Oh, you have another uh, big thing that you're doing, Karen, that's pretty exciting because you're working with um, Island Batik, uh this year yeah. in 2018 as one of their ambassadors. What is that program like? Are you having fun with it? I'm having an absolute ball. I haven't had as much fun doing something in a long time. It's uh the ambassadors are a wonderful community of makers and designers and creative people, and it's just wonderful. 
um, Island Batique has supplied us with all kinds of their beautiful fabric, and we have challenges every month, which um, are are well spaced and well timed, mm-hmm. so that nobody's pressured or stressed doing this, and it's really really fun. I spent today actually working on one of the projects. Well, that's neat. So, you know, I'm looking at the one that was a braid so that you had done uh, that with, uh, so you got a collection of fabric and then you were, um, were you challenged to do something just with the collection or did they give you any more direction than that? Uh, Very little direction. Uh, You have lots of leeway in what you're doing. They send you the fabric and you can choose which fabrics you want to use for your projects. And um, the challenge that month was to do something you hadn't done before. And I had never done an interlocking herringbone, so that's Ah. where that came about. So there were all kinds of different projects and different fabrics used by the various ambassadors. Mm -hmm. So did you like the interlocking herringbone after you did it? (laughs) I loved it. I've got a queen-size quilt started now with that uh, technique. (laughs) It was great. Isn't that fun when you try something and you and you love it? It's you know it's a little more complex, Karen. So you know it's kind of right up your alley, right? It's, it's really easy. <laughs> <laughs> it looks complex. It's really simple. I bet you say that to everybody about all your quilts. It's really easy. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> oh goodness! Well, Karen, your website is Karen Neary N E A R Y dot C A. Uh, CA for Canada. Yep, CA for Canada. And out there you have a link to your blog and your your books that you've authored and your patterns and and various other things. Um, So, Karen, this has been so much fun to have you join me. This was fun for me too, Pat, and I really appreciate it. So we are going to take a break here in a minute, and I just wanted to tell you about one of the new um, Moda lines that is coming out, and it's by Robin Pickens. And so you can read about this really gorgeous uh, line over at the blog for Moda because they always uh, showcase the story. And we'll be right back. Quilting tip brought to you by Moda Fabrics. Visit modafabrics.com or your local quilt shop to see the latest fabric collections. To avoid mixing up various sized strips once cut, you can write the measurements on the strip selvage. Get two full years of American Patchwork and Quilting delivered right to your door for the price of one. That's a full year free. Every issue is packed with never before seen projects from top designers, detailed photography, complete materials lists, and easy-to-use pull-out patterns and quilting diagrams. Subscribe today at allpeoplequilt.com.
welcome back to American Patchwork and Quilting's podcast. I'm your host, Pat Sloan. I'm an, I've been a huge fan of Wendy Gratz's uh, designs. She does whimsical, fun, happy projects. A lot of it's applique. And I just couldn't believe that I hadn't had her on the show yet. So we get to spend the second half of the show chatting. She has a deep uh, knowledge about a lot of things. And so we're just going to relax and bounce around the quilt world, Wendy and I. So, Wendy, thank you for being here. Thank you so much for having me. I'm so happy to be here. You know, when I was looking at your, um, you know, reading some of your background, uh, one of the things that I thought right away was like, oh, my gosh, you're kind of fearless. You just sort of have jumped in, at least it appears that you've jumped into like this and that without really worrying too much about it. Do you, do you feel like that yourself? Absolutely. It's just fabric. And the worst thing that happens is you make something that goes in the trash. <laughs> um, I just, I, and I really believe that anybody can make anything. Just jump right in and give it a try. So when did you, do you have quilt makers in your family? No. No, no. My mother-in-law is. So, okay. Yeah. So when not did, growing up. No, I didn't either. I didn't have, I mean, nobody even sewed. So it was... Um, you know, so when did you first see a quilt? Um, well, I mean, I had seen quilts forever. Um, I do remember my mom making a tied quilt once, but it was really, really simple. I think it was just two sheets sewn together and that with batting in between and then tied. Um, I, you know, I don't even remember the first time I thought it. Well, I do remember the first time I thought about making a quilt, and that was kind of by accident. It wasn't so, seeing a show or anything like that. Mm -hmm. So what was it? Well, I, I, was, I was a graduate student in German, and I was invited. I, I, I volunteered to help make costumes for a play. Oh. And um, I had a sewing machine, so I volunteered to help. I was very, a very, very new sewer at the time. And um, then the person who was in charge of it backed out at the last minute. She freaked out about her dissertation and said, I can't do this. And oh. so I became the one and only person making all of the costumes for this play. Goodness. And um, <laughs> <laughs> it, it freaked me out a little bit. Yeah. But um, one of the costumes, the, the director had this idea that all of the the colors were very symbolic. So everybody's costume was a solid color and one family was all primary colors and a different family was all secondary colors and one character wore patchwork essentially made of scraps of everybody's colors oh. and so i i made the the, the the costumes, they were just simple tunics, thank goodness, because <laughs> I, I really was a very new sewer. Yeah. Um, and then I sewed together all of my scraps to make this final tunic. And I didn't know it, but I was doing improv piecing and stitch and flip. I had mostly strips and triangles left over. And it was spectacular. It was so beautiful and so dramatic. I wish I had a picture of it, but this was before digital cameras. So, um, you know, we didn't take pictures of everything. And uh, that got me hooked. I was like, wow, this, this is patchwork, I guess. And so right. I started checking books out of the library to learn how to quilt. And this was when you were in college? Yes. Yeah, so you had to make time to learn something else new besides <laughs> your, your degree. And it was before the Internet. Oh, yeah. Right. 
Yeah. So yeah, everything happened. Everything before the internet was just a whole different experience, wasn't it? It was so much harder. It was so hard to learn. <laughs> I found it very hard to learn from books because everything is just a static image, and mm-hmm. um, you know, it's all about the movement and the motion. And um, I then I discovered Alex Anderson, Simply Quilt, and she mm-hmm. was like in my living room, right. showing me how to do this, and it was. It, it it completely changed everything. Everything made so much sense all of a sudden, and I really started making quilts. Mm-hmm. Did when you first um, got excited about it and started making things, are you the type of person who thought like, oh, this could be a business? I mean, did you sort of just do it as a hobby for a while? I did it as a hobby for a little while, but I pretty quickly jumped to the idea of it being a business. Mm-hmm. Um, I've always wanted to have a creative business. So every time I did something creative, I thought, well, I could maybe make a living at this. Right, right. <laughs> so I, did, I made very serious quilts, and I entered mm-hmm. them in shows, and I sold them in galleries, and it was not fun at all. I did not oh. enjoy. I, I just stopped making quilts. So you actually put them in, sold the finished quilts, like in, in a gallery? Yes. Oh, wow. Which does, that's a really hard way to make a living because you have to, I mean, the quilts end up costing a couple thousand dollars and nobody, I, I wanted to make bed quilts. I didn't want to make wall quilts. So they ended up being quite expensive. Yeah. And um, it's just, it was, it's very hard to make a living that way. And it made the quilting not fun for me because every design decision I had to think about how much time is this going to take me? Mm-hmm. And so that took a lot of the fun out of it for me. Mm-hmm. So you just you just bagged that, and what did you do then? I completely stopped making quilts, and uh, not even for fun. Mm-hmm. And I started making dolls and stuffed animals. I also was tired of making very serious quilts, and I hated writing artist statements and things like that. <laughs> so I, I turned completely 180 and just made fun dolls, fun stuffed animals, I did really simple embroidery patterns because I love handwork, mm-hmm. and just everything I did was whimsical and fun and colorful, and I didn't care if people thought I was an artist or not. Oh. <laughs> it did, but it made you happy. There was fun stuff. It made, yes, it made me so happy. <laughs> so eventually, you must have decided to try quilting again. Um, what do, do you remember? What sort of happened? I do. It was a huge moment for me. I found a fabric collection. Of course, it's always about the fabric. (laughs) But there was a fabric collection came out that I fell in love with. It was Malka Dabrowski's first Mm. commercially printed fabric collection. Mm. And it just knocked my socks off. And I decided I really had to make a quilt out of this fabric. And um, so I did, but I made it very different from my previous quilts. It was really simple. I really wanted to highlight the fabric, mm-hmm. and I designed it so there were no matching seams anywhere. Oh. <laughs> I didn't have to match up a single point anywhere on the quilt. And I made a quilt top in a day and quilted it in another day, mm. and I was a quilter again. It just took that one perfect fabric collection and a really fun pattern. <laughs> So that was a piece a piece pattern. Did you decide like, oh, okay, I'm going to do these sort of um, this style of piece pattern now? Did you then sort of go on a quilting like journey with that concept? I did a little bit. Um, I designed a couple more pieced patterns that 
specifically had no matching themes because that really made it fun. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I decided to try an applique quilt. And I had done applique on the very first quilt I ever made. It, ha- it was a huge, enormous quilt, and it had um, needle turn applique throughout. So it was all done by hand because, again, I was working from the library, and the only right. book I found on applique <laughs> said what? needle turn is the way right. you do that. And so that's... <laughs> So that's what I did. Um, And so I designed an applique pattern that was simple with big shapes and it was all monsters. So it was very fun and colorful. And that was really, really fun to do. And that kind of put me on an applique track. That also seemed to fit really well with the stuffed animal patterns and things that I was doing at the time. I actually drew some of my, my, favorite stuffed animal designs as quilt blocks so that you could have a quilt that had a a block that also you had a stuffed animal that matched it. Mm -hmm. And um, that put me on the path for applique. Yeah. You know, that right now, if anybody goes to your website, shiny happy world, um, they're going to find uh, animals, (laughs) lots of animals. And so that makes (laughs) sense. It's fun to hear where that all sort of, came from um you know let's talk a little bit about applique you know we don't have we're going to go back and forth here a bit but because you know you went from needle turn to finding you know another method what was sort of the the process you went through because I did needle turn as well that's how I started because that's what I my friends taught me to do um and I do fusible now what what did you experiment to get to where you are now I did. Um, I I had done a little bit of um, applique with fusible adhesive when my daughter was young. I had appliqued some things on her clothes, uh, but the results were always pretty stiff. And um, I decided to try again and just see if maybe the products had changed. And they really had. Um, the, I use heat and bond now, and I also found that they had a printable fusible adhesive that you can run through your printer. And I hate tracing. Tracing is my least favorite part of any project. And so this way I didn't have to trace anything. I could just print those pieces right out on the fusible and get right to the fun part. And um, so, yeah, I, I just um, experimented with things. I found I, I, I do tons and tons of testing. So like when I tested fusible adhesives, I – made sample blocks with different brands and I mm-hmm. stitched them down with different kinds of stitching. And then I washed them a million times to oh. see how they would handle going through the wash and picked yeah. out, okay, so this is the brand that I like. And I do that kind of thing a lot. Mm-hmm. So when you were washing them, were you making, I'm just curious, cause I've always thought I really need to do that, do that kind of a test. Were you making like a full quilt so that you wash, or were you washing like a top that you just secured the edges I made like little miniature quilts that were basically just a single block. And then I would, I just stitched them around the edge. I didn't even bind the edges. I just stitched them around Mm -hmm. the edge and threw them in the washing machine. Cause I want, really all I wanted to see was I wanted to see how the fabric would crinkle because I do Mm -hmm. love the way a quilt crinkles. Mm -hmm. And um, I wanted to see how the pieces stuck with and without stitching. And I prefer straight stitching to satin stitching. So I always wanted to make sure that, that straight stitching would work and that the fabric mm-hmm. wouldn't fray too much around the edges. So there's a couple of key things that, that are just my own personal taste that I'm mm-hmm. looking for when I test something like that. 
But, um, but yeah, that's my most common way is to just make up a single block. And then I throw it in all, every single load of laundry through the washer and the dryer <laughs> for, for a few weeks at like yeah. all the clothes, all the sheets, all the towels. I figure <laughs> towels are a great test because they're yeah. rough. I, I want to give it the hardest test I can possibly give it because most of the people who use my patterns are making quilts for kids and they need mm-hmm. to be washed. Right. <laughs> Right, that's an excellent point because when I'm teaching fusible applique, uh, people will say, you know, how does it wash? And I'm like, well, as long as you've secured your edges, it washes fine. (laughs) That is the number one question I get on my blog is how does it wash? Especially because I just do the straight stitching instead of the satin stitching. Mm -hmm. That makes people very, very nervous. Yeah, see, and I do a blanket stitch just because that's sort of what I started with. And so, and I Mm -hmm. do straight stitch on my tinier shapes, you know, because now do you, I want to talk about that straight stitch with people, but I want to think, I think we'll do it after the break, Wendy, because the break will be in, you know, so that we don't just get cut off in the middle of the conversation. You know, how that goes, it's like, ah, (laughs) halfway, half a sentence, and then, you know, we don't, we have to take a break. Um, So tell me on your website, you have a whole section called Lessons and Tutorials. We have about a minute and a half. So give me a brief as to what you have out there. Well, I have, like you said, I've the, the main section is lessons and tutorials, and that's all free lessons, almost all videos, for any skill that you need to make any of my patterns. My patterns are all digital, and they all have links within them to those videos. So every single skill you'll need to make one of my patterns, there's a video to teach it to you. So even if you've never quilted before, you can jump in and start really with just about any of the patterns. And then I have a free pattern section, which lets you try stuff out. Mm-hmm. And then I have um, patterns that are available for sale. Yeah. And yeah, materials. I, I also sell some of the, my favorite tools and supplies. That's good because then they can just sort of get everything if they see a project and they're like, you know, because a lot of people don't live near any kind of store. You know, so it's nice to be able to just say, okay, Wendy's got everything for us. Um, and I noticed you also have crochet, yes. which is pretty cool. Uh, I like crochet. I do. Anything that's cute and colorful. And <laughs> I've been crocheting since I was – I didn't start sewing until I was in college, but I've been crocheting for as long as I can remember. Like, I don't remember learning how to crochet. It's been that long. Oh, goodness. Yeah, I crochet badly, so I think I'm going to have to watch your <laughs> tutorials because I'm a self-taught <laughs> crochet person from a little kid. <laughs> so we're going to take a break. We'll be right back. Join American Patchwork and Quilting on Facebook for daily quilting inspiration, tips, giveaways, and more. Find us at facebook.com backslash APQ Magazine. This quilting tip brought to you by Moda Fabrics. Visit modafabrics.com or your local quilt shop to see the latest fabric collections. Press and seal can be used to hold pieced units in place before sewing together.
Welcome back to American Patchwork and Quilting's podcast. I'm Pat Sloan here with Wendy Greitz, and she is from Shiny Happy World. And we're talking, we're going to talk some applique tips, Wendy, uh, with a fusible applique. What are a few, and you're doing printable, so tell me a little bit about some tips for printable fusible, like, you know, running it through your machine, that kind of stuff. Well, the one thing that you have to make sure is that you're using the right kind of printer. You can't run it through a laser printer because it's fusible, so it's heat activated. Mm, So I always make sure everybody knows that it only works on your inkjet (laughs) printer. Um, But the, the, all of the patterns that I design are already what I call reversed and exploded so that you really can just run that page through. There's no advanced prep work that you have to do to prepare the patterns. They're, they're there just ready for you to go because I really do like to just get to the fun part. Right. Um, right so the other thing that I do that oh, I was gonna say, that so makes your things patterns, really easy. Your patterns don't have like things in, you know, layered or embedded in them because they're digital so that when you didn't have to save paper. Right. So it allows you to just be able to print out, say you want to just make one block over and over again. Like I have a farm quilt that has a horse on it, but a lot of people like horses and want to make a quilt that's all horses. So that horse pattern is its own page, and then they could print that out 20 times if they wanted to. So it makes things flexible and and easy to use. Okay. The other thing that I do is I use quilt as you go so that it makes things really easy. So I quilt my blocks first, and then I applique on top of that. And the fusible just works great for that. Oh, so you actually do all the quilting first. I do. I quilt the individual blocks with no backing, so it's just Mm -hmm. the top and the batting, so that I'm only managing a a 10, 11-inch square on the machine, so I can do all kinds of swirls and fun things um, without having to do free motion. And then I do the applique, and then I trim the blocks, and then I sew them together, and then I quilt the backing on. But at that point, I'm just quilting just the big seams. So I'm only doing quilting straight lines every 10 inches, and I can quilt the entire quilt in a half an hour at that point. Yeah. Neat. Wow, those are great tips. Um, what about the stitching, the straight stitching? Tell me what people need to focus on for that uh, to be sure that they're actually adhering everything properly and they don't get a lot of fraying on the edges you need to be using the right kind of fusible adhesive i've found that the that heat and bond light is perfect for what i do mm-hmm. they have a, a feather light which is similar to like misty fuse and mm-hmm. some of the other very very lightweights but they will fray a little bit over time because there's there's very little adhesive on them And then you need to absolutely follow the the instructions of whatever brand you use because it really does matter over time. Like it'll seem like it's being fused down properly, but if you used steam and you weren't supposed to use steam or the other way around, it can make a difference down the road. Now on the stitching, do, do you change your stitch length for that straight stitch or is it pretty much what you would sew seams with? I do, I I leave it at the default setting for big pieces, and then if I have to go around tight curves, I do shorten it because that helps you get a nice smooth curve. Um, Even if it's like a little tiny eyeball, you can sew a really smooth curve around that if you shorten your stitch length and go really slow. Right. 
<laughs> lift that presser foot and turn a lot, right? That's, exactly, right. exactly. But a lot of people don't realize that you can even do that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, there. It. I like the straight stitch look. I think that people don't see it as much. So I think that that's really wonderful that you have that you use it and they can see it on your projects. Um, Tell me a little bit about how you have found people use your projects because you've actually developed them, your patterns, to be somewhat interchangeable. I do. I design all of my quilts on a the, – the blocks finish at 10-inch square so people can mix and match them. And um, I love seeing how people combine different things. So they'll take all the flowers from my flower quilt and they'll pop one – cat in there or a really common thing is I see people mix all the cat blocks and the dog blocks from those two Mm -hmm. different quilts and they'll raffle them off and raise money for their local animal shelters Mm. so um that I've seen that over and over and over again and every time it makes me so happy I love that um that people are using them that way and being creative and also helping their local shelters yeah now the other uh, interesting thing is that you have uh, patterns that are sort of um, very symmetrical, you know, like repeat of the dogs, and all the dogs are different, but it's a repeat block after block. And then you have things like your, your woodland creatures and your dinosaur and your noisy farm, and they're uh, those asymmetrical layouts. Can they still be interchanged? They can. The blocks are still based on a 10-inch finished block, so the the ones that have words in them thing and things are just mm-hmm. a half a block. Uh-huh. So some people take those out because they don't want to deal with the alternate grid, and mm-hmm. some people will add those half blocks. You know, once they've made maybe the Woodland Critters quilt that has all the words in it, mm-hmm. they'll say, I'm going to go back and ma- remake the cat's quilt, and I'm just going to put meow in there over and over <laughs> again all throughout, scattered <laughs> throughout the quilt. And it's really fun. Yeah. And since, it's a, since they're all based on the same size, you can do that really easily. Yeah. So, okay, so this is like a designer question for you. Do you get do you get bored doing the same size block or do you change it up like on the <laughs> side like in secret? You're like, "I'm going to make a little tiny one now." That's like <laughs> <laughs> Not really. Um oh. I'm I'm not very good at drawing, so um it's that's the hardest part for me and I do better if I do big. So <laughs> Um, that, that helps me if I'm going to do something, even if I'm going to do something small, like an embroidery pattern, I'll start out drawing it big and then I'll just shrink it down. Oh, which... <laughs> that works. Yeah. We're yep. telling all your secrets, Wendy, all your secrets are getting out. Yep. So what is it that you're designing right now? Do you have something new you can share that's coming up? Right now, I'm working on two different things. We're having a a bear month at Shiny Happy World, so we're focusing on all the bears. And uh, I'm designing a new bear pattern, a new bear quilt pattern called Bunches of Bears that's going to be, I have one that's that's the same bear over and over again, but I wanted to do something that would give people a little more variety. So I'm working on that that's got a dozen different bears, um, and I'm hoping to get lots of personality in their faces. And I'm also designing a new bear stuffed animal. I have a doll collection called Dress Up Bunch, and all the dolls use the same body so they can all wear the same clothing outfits. And I don't have a bear doll, I realize. So I'm going to make a bear doll this week, actually. Just this week. You'll just pump that right out there. Get the. (laughs) Well, it does use the same body pattern as all the others, so all I really need to do is design a face. (laughs) There you go. Uh, You you have um, lots of 
of different animals already so that if people are looking for a particular type, um, you have monsters and bunnies and, and they're, they're kind of chunky and fun. They are. I definitely go for the chunky look, partly because I like to make everything as easy as possible for beginners and for even for experienced quilters. I want it to be a fun and easy project, and bigger pieces are just easier to work with. Mm-hmm. And they highlight the fabric, too, so I always like to showcase the, the fabric. Yeah. And you sew with a few different, like corduroy and looks like plushy-type stuff, Um I do. I do. One of the things I'm going to do with this bear quilt is do some sample blocks in corduroy and in fleece and in um, other fun. I think I've got a long shag fur that'll work well, Um, but it's fun to do applique with those different fabrics too. And I've done shiny tissue lame monsters and aliens and I've done satin monsters and you can use all those fabrics. If you use a press cloth, you can fuse anything. Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah, and and tell people what a press cloth is in case they're not familiar. It's just a piece of fabric. Just for I just use a scrap of cotton muslin that goes between the fancy fabric and your iron because a lot of those fancy fabrics will melt mm-hmm. um, with the the heat needed to melt the fusible will first melt the fabric. So as long as you put something cotton between that fabric and your iron, I have yet to find something that can't be fused. I test everything new, (laughs) just in case. But so far, everything has worked. Have you played with the cork fabric yet? Not yet. Mm -hmm. I'm tempted to do some embroidery on it. Oh, that would be neat. Uh, That's by hand or machine? I would do it by hand. Mm -hmm. But I don't know how stiff it is, how hard it is to work with. But I just, I love the look of hand embroidery, and I think that that would look really nice on that rougher cork. Oh, that's neat. Okay, whip that up while you're doing the doll so we can see it. That's like... (laughs) (laughs) Now, you um, do uh, a lot on the machine, but you also like handwork. And you told me that big stitch quilting is something that you do a lot for yourself. Why is that? Well, uh, most of my customers are not interested in handwork. Um, they like these big quilts. A lot of my customers are, are moms, new moms, and they're, they're busy, and they want a quilt that they can put together quickly and do it by machine. So um, I have found that I don't do a lot of handwork stuff for my business, mm-hmm. um, but I do I love it for myself. My very first quilt was all hand-sewn, hand-appliqued, hand-quilted, and I just, I just love sitting on the couch sewing. I could sew that simple running stitch that's the big stitch quilt. Mm-hmm. Um, I could do that for hours, hours and hours and hours. I don't, I don't even need music on. I love listening to the sound of the thread as it pulls through the fabric. Mm-hmm. I just it, it makes me happy, and I love the texture that you get from it. It's sort of like meditating in a way when you're doing that type of handwork, I, I think. think. So. Yeah, you just mm-hmm. can can just sort of let your mind relax, you focus on it. What's, what type of thread do you use? I use the Sulky Petites. It's a 12-weight thread, and it comes on these little spools. Mm. Um, and I, I, it's, it's exactly right for the, for the kind of the size stitches that I like to take. So I like to be able to see the thread on the surface of the fabric, but I don't want mm-hmm. something huge. Right. So that 12-weight thread works perfectly. Do you also do your embroidery with that weight, or do you use something thinner? 
sometimes I use that weight for my embroidery, but actually sometimes I use this, this something thicker. I'll use the DMC floss, mm-hmm. and I'll use about four strands of that for a lot of my embroidery, where the 12-weight thread from Selkie is the is pretty much the equivalent of two strands of a DMC floss. Yeah. So I'm taking a look at your uh, at your site, and I see the happy birthday embroidery pattern, and the words happy birthday, they're like a striped, like a blue and aqua and navy. How do you get that stripe in the thread? That is one of my favorite stitches. It looks so fancy, and it is so, so easy. First, you do a regular back stitch, which is probably the second easiest stitch there is. It's usually the second one that I teach. Yeah. And then you, um, I switch to a blunt tapestry needle and you just whip a piece of thread through each stitch. Just ah. whip stitch over the stitches. So it's, it's actually called a whipped back stitch. And I love it. It, it looks so fancy. Oh, it it's does. It's really look fun to fancy. do in Christmas embroidery too, because you get like that candy cane striping. Yeah, that's really, really neat. Do, did you ever do a tutorial on that? Yes. Oh, it's in one of my patterns, so I have a tutorial. Oh, oh there you go. I forgot. Yeah. <laughs> oh, my goodness. Okay, well, last quick fun question before we sign off. Uh, when you go on vacation, what what is your favorite? Like, do you go into quilt shops? Do you go into gift shops? Do you, do you shop at all on vacation? I do shop on vacation. I'll go into gift shops, but the main thing that we do is go to bookstores. Ah. My husband is a writer, and I worked in bookstores for about 20 years before I started this. I sold children's books, which I think that sensibility completely shows in all yeah. of my quilt designs. Yeah. Well, <laughs> um, when, but I love to visit bookstores. Wendy, this has been so much fun. Thank you for being here. Thank you so much for having me. This was fun. This is Pat Sloan for American Patchwork and Quilting's podcast. Visit me at um, Facebook on Quilt Along with Pat Sloan and my new uh, group called Learn to Quilt with Pat Sloan and visit all American people there too. Remember to visit allpeoplequilt.com for more information on topics from today's show, as well as how-to videos, free printable patterns, and additional tips and techniques. Thanks for listening to American Patchwork and Quilting Radio.